Today on Writers Get Animated, what if He-Man and Michael Sarah had a comedy show? Now, what if it was off-brand He-Man and off-brand Michael Sarah? And also the Venture Brothers as a different thing. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're talking about Son of Zorn and an episode of the Venture Brothers. Zorn! <laughs> so, um, Son of Zorn is a new show on Fox. It's a it's an animation live action hybrid show where one character is animated and the world around them and other characters around them are live action. So mm. it's a little bit Roger Rabbity. I feel like mm. it's a little more space jammy. Than yeah, Ro- it's very very space pajamas. So it's it, it goes a little bit of I would more equate it on that line. It almost feels like Cool World in a way. In terms of quality. Oh, um, I was going to make that joke, too, and you went there first. I'm impressed. Hey, Roger Rabbit is my is is my jam. So anything else that like refers to or could be mistaken as a Roger Rabbit thing, I'm into and onto and trying to figure it out. I don't know what I meant by onto, but... <laughs> um, so Son of Zorn, I don't want to say, like, we think it's worthless. We don't think that. No, no, we wouldn't not be at talking all. about it if we're worthless, unless the creators also thought it was worthless. Hence our um, episodes of bad shows podcast from a number of weeks ago. No, this I think this value in Son of Zorn. I, I would agree with that. I think that when we we don't like unwriters get animated to come in and bash things or say things are awful. That's not fun for anybody. I don't think. No, no, um, we're not out there to troll the animation world. I, I think unless we were trolls in an animated show referencing us and honoring us. Right. Or we were discussing DreamWorks new film trolls. coming out. Trolls, yeah. Is that still gonna come out? <laughs> All signs point to yes. <laughs> coming next from DreamWorks, Eight Ball the movie. <laughs> so Son of Zorn, let's uh let's talk a little bit about it because we, we have something that we wanna um, run up against it with mm-hmm. an episode of the Venture Brothers uh, talking about the relationship between fathers and sons and that kind of relationship that happens through it. What is Son of Zorn? So Son of Zorn is um, essentially it's an idea that I really love. It's taking He-Man pretty much um, the characters of He-Man and making off-brand versions of them Yes, and imagining if it were Oh, I don't know, like 30 years later, um, and maybe the characters of He-Man had a life outside of He-Man as well. Like, for example, maybe uh, He-Man, or in this case, Zorn, um, had some kind of offspring. Maybe like a, let's make it a son, a son of Zorn. I think that's fair. Let's give that a shot. Yeah, Yeah. let's try son of Zorn. We'll workshop it. And so this show imagines what it's like for 80s animated values to run up against 
modern world values. Modern America values. Modern America. Because this is America. Well, I don't know where you're listening to this. It might be Ireland. Ooh, I can't say the word. Might be Ireland. We, we have listeners from all over. So I just want to make sure that this is the... In f- this particular show created by the directors and creators of the Lego movie and will be the directors of the um, Han Solo solo film. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> so Christopher Miller and Phil Lord, this is coming from them. So... Um, I remember what they did with the Lego movie and taking something that I thought was going to be completely awful and just uh, impos- okay, good. impossible and making it into a really fun, subversive, you know, subversive kind of film um, and making something that, that's really, really enjoyable. So knowing they made every part of that awesome. Exactly. Everything was awesome. Everything. The whole thing. Um, but Son of Zorn, coming from them, I, I was hoping for a lot. Yeah. And this but, is something for the mainstream, I think, is a new concept. Um, I think watching this for the first time, I thought of Venture Brothers because as you've, if you're an avid listener of Writers Get Animated, you know that Mackenzie Worrell is an avid fan of Venture Brothers and follows everything they do, all like 10 episodes they've done in 13 years. Uh, and it's a very similar concept of like this kind of generational handing down of like old animated values butting up against the realities of the modern world and what that looks like. So I thought of Venture Brothers immediately, and I think that this actual concept, while not in the mainstream, Venture Brothers, I think, does a little bit more effectively. Which is why we want to compare it today. Right. Now, Son of Zorn, for me, conjures up ideas of the, uh, the old show. It wasn't animated, but it does have some connections to animation of the 1980s TV series, The Charmings. Have I discussed The Charmings before with you, Mackenzie? No. Okay. The Charmings was a show in the 80s that I was obsessed with as a kid. It's uh, idea of Snow White and Prince Charming and their two <laughs> children um, getting pushed through a well or something and ending up in 1980s America. So these fairy tale characters fish out of water, their values, and so in a sense, like these fairy tale Disney-ish characters. Um, taking over the modern world of the 80s at the time and how their values butt up against the values of the quote-unquote modern 80s world of America. So for me, um, Son of Zorn was very much of that same kind of thing. There's no time travel or anything that way. And there's not a sassy um, African-American mirror uh, in Son of Zorn, which is amazing the 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 magic mirror in the charmings is ridiculously sassy and amazing way ahead of his time way ahead of his time so okay uh i'm doubtful (laughs) but 
curious. Go go check it out. Seriously, uh, we'll post a link or something to some episode of The Charmings or to some clips of The Charmings because it is um, unwatchable and amazing. <laughs> it is both of those. Like, you, it's a, it's great. But Son of Zorn, the fish out of water story, where you take this character from about 30 years before and place them into the current time and just whatever they butt up against. Um, saying that makes me think of some things that could have helped Zorn a little bit, but mm -hmm. we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. So what do you think of this concept as a whole? I know we've kind of discussed the concept, but like, do you... I don't know. I, where do you think it could be improved or where do you think it's successful with how it's executed in the first episode? Well, I think it's executed in terms of world building very, very well. We start off in Zephyria, the made up Zorn world, of, which, which is all animated, animated island. And what's interesting to see the technology in the He-Man-ish world where they're taking a, a FaceTime call for his son and, you know, saying he's going to visit and then hops on a airplane, you know, a 747 plane and flies over into Orange County to visit his ex-wife and his son who's turning 17 and um, seeing how that, that visit goes. I think they did a really great job setting up this fish out of water story and setting up the trope of it's the He-Man world-ish the Zorn world, what that world of Zephyria was, and the modern California world. They, they set that up very, very well. Yeah, they just established this is normal, this is average, there's not going to be like this crazy barbarian wondering what the metal bird in the sky is or anything like that. Like He knows what an airplane is and uses them just as often as everyone else, which That's is right. whenever not possible. <laughs> so he... he it, Nothing surprises him. I mean, he's a he's a character who is essentially bare-chested, wearing basically just um, wrestler underwear. He-Man underwear. Yeah, He-Man underwear and just a sword on his back who loves Hot Pockets, uh, <laughs> which is really funny because Hot Pockets are both amazing and uneatable. So, an inedible, I guess, is the real world. Word. Just like the Charmings. I was going to say, just, just, they're like the Charmings of microwavable feasts. Charmings and Hot Pockets together. Are there feasts? I would never describe anything for I don't know why I said feast. the word feast. I don't know why I said the word feast. I'm going to let One it go. One might say a cornucopia of microwave food. Moving on. So... <laughs> He's not surprised by the modern world because he sort of lived in it, had a hand in it, um, had a child in it. So he's not really surprised by any of this. And mm -hmm. he's not thrown off by technology. I think he uses technology better than some of the people who live in the current 2016 world. He can take a FaceTime call and keeps his phone accessible even when he's only wearing furry underwear. It's handy. Yeah, he, he doesn't have a belt clip or anything for his phone. He's a modern man. I mean, he knows not to put it on a belt clip. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. It is interesting for him. But the thing that 
that sets things up. And the one thing that I had a problem with is not the, and I think this is me being a dad. I think this is me being a dad coming to a problem with it is we have this guy who is essentially the every man dumb dad who's disconnected from his family, who's kind of misogynistic. And, mm. he, you know, I, I told my wife, um, I, I told Rochelle, I was like, this feels a little too according to Jim for me. Like, this is a little bit too much of, a, you know, the only difference is he's not, he's not a big fat guy. Married yeah. to married to a really pretty blonde woman, he's a really muscular guy who might as well be the dumb fat guy, you know. Yeah. And that's the I mean, that's the one thing that I had trouble with was that trope. And I think it's me being a dad going, you know, not all men are like that, you know. Hashtag, hashtag not, all not all men, you know. Oh jeez, I didn't want to. I didn't want to say say hashtag not all men because of the other connotations on that, but. Yeah, it's like not every dad is like that, you know, doesn't understand their child and doesn't understand their son. And it was like, I feel like in 2016, we we could see something else. And I know that that's the yeah. and I know that that's the joke and I know that that's the thing. And maybe in the future episodes, things will get a little bit more subversive. But well, it's it's. Yeah, I'm interested to see where the show takes this concept because a lot of the first episode, the other characters other than the sun really conform to Zorn's worldview. Um, the new boyfriend of his ex-wife is like this um, kind of emasculated man who talks about how he's being emasculated all the time. Um, and he's just kind of this online professor who like has a weak handshake or something and talks in a soft voice. It's just very traditional. Like, look at this other man who's intimidated by you. And then his ex-wife who has ever reason to really not like him and scorn him, scorn Zorn more for uh, not being involved in the son's life. Uh, she's the only one who at one point gives him like this come hither look of like just checking him out as he's walking by. Right. Nobody else looks at this amazing Adonis of a man walking down the street as, you know, if only to wonder how a redheaded person got that much muscle. Oh, okay. I, I see. Bring it on the hate. Okay. <laughs> that one is for you, Mackenzie. Thanks. Just because I haven't been to the gym this week. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I yeah, mean I think that... One of the other easy jokes that this show didn't do is like having Zorn walking down the street in his furry underwear, just lots of muscles, and like having some gay dude walk up and hit on him. That's the easy joke of like, look at these 80s animated values compared to the modern world. And that didn't happen. Right. But we did get the joke where Zorn, and it was slightly funny, um, slightly where Zorn is talking to his son, um, Zorn decides to stay in the modern world to try to have this relationship with his son. So he gets an apartment, he gets a job, 
and he talks about his boss and his boss who yeah. likes to dress up like a woman um, and, you know, has a purse and carries tampons and the guy is really trying to go for it. And he's like, that sounds, you're describing a woman, dad. He's like, no, no, no. I said this was my superior. This is my <laughs> boss. You know, it's so. So it was yeah. kind of funny, but it was also like, I feel like that was just too much. I feel like that was too far. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I thought it was well executed because it was making fun of Zorn in his view. It was making fun of Zorn in his view, but I don't... It wasn't like picking on looks or anything of anyone else. No, it was, it, it was just the fact that she was a boss. It wasn't saying, yeah. yeah, this guy... And it wasn't some sort of person who... Some sort of woman that was wearing pantsuits and stuff and trying to look a certain way and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. making a joke about her lack of femininity or anything like that. It was simply the fact that this person was their superior and that's what made it impossible for it to be a woman in Zorn's worldview. Exactly, in Zorn's worldview. Yeah. I thought that was successful. I think it knows its humor and it's still trying to find all the opportunities for that humor. Yeah. I and I think in the future maybe they'll they'll be able to get some more. And I think maybe this show with this concept could have been helped a lot by the Netflix binge watch model. Mm, yeah. I think having one episode of a time at this um, might run into like the first episode of Mad Men. You know, it's not animated, but the first episode of Mad Men, that world is so topsy-turvy. And when you experience that world, you're either going to go, either turn it off after that episode or watch the next one. And I think we, I didn't start watching Mad Men until it was available on disc. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that I did because I probably wouldn't have watched episode two had I not mm-hmm. been able to say, well, let's see where they're going with this. I, yeah. I, I feel like if this were a Netflix series released all 22 episodes or however many episodes all at once where I could just watch Zorn and see how it builds, it's almost like a 22-hour movie where I can see where they're going instead of giving a little bit at a time and getting mm-hmm. bits and pieces and not n- knowing the complete world and making judgments based on that. But they did make good steps toward world building and establishing, like, it's not just Zephyria where all the animated stuff is. Like, the, um, I think one of my favorite bits was the Death Hawk. Yes. When he is listening to his son and taking advice, like, oh, my son needs a way to get around town. I'm going to get him a mode of transportation. All the other people have cars. He should have a mounted Death Hawk. And he goes out and buys this, like, Death Hawk. And it's not just the son doesn't come out and say, Oh, God, why'd you buy me a Death Hawk? The son goes, That's awesome! And this is the one time they truly connect. Right, you actually, you listen to me? Is what, it was basically the lines. Like, you you listen to what I was saying, and then he gets on the Death Hawk and is ready to ride it, and Mom says mm-hmm. no, and Craig says no, and... And they have to kill it, and then it doesn't die. And that goes on for a while. The credit sequence of Craig just, like, using the sprinkler in the lawn and all the animated blood, like, rolling off the driveway. (laughs) And the Death Hawk chopped up into bits into the 
essentially the yard waste. Yeah, just twitching. Yeah. That, that was well done. It, it sounds way more gruesome when we describe it. Yeah, it, it's it's done um, tastefully. Tastefully? <laughs> as tastefully as you could kill a death hawk, an animated death hawk in um, an animated show. I don't, half animated. Half animated, quarter animated. Well, eighth an, Eighth animated depends on the moment. That's spoilers, but. Right. Yeah. So, um, I whenever you're doing a show about a relationship between a father and son, it and or exploring the generational thing, usually in animation with fathers and sons, you either get a carbon copy of the son or, or the father. So the son is just a spinning image of the father in a lot of ways and in view and in look. So it's just mm-hmm. that you're just getting the same thing or you're getting the antithesis of the father. So you're going with the uh, family ties kind of, oh my gosh, the hippies had a conservative son kind of view. So, mm-hmm. so you get what, what is completely anathema to the, to the father you get in the, the son. So you get a lot of, it's one or the other generally speaking is, you either get the same thing or the antithesis of it. Mm-hmm. And so what's the antithesis of the He-Man character, the Zorn character? What's what's the antithesis of that? Hypothetically or in the show that we have? Hypothetically. Let's talk hypothetically. Hypothetically, it is a daughter who really likes girly things. Mm-hmm. What what's in the show? A son who's interested in high school drama. Yeah. Yeah. You may, you brought up this point. I think that I I do like the father son relationship, specifically because I think that it's it's about TV and generations at this point. Mm-hmm. And I would have liked to have seen maybe a stepdaughter who's really into doing the same stuff as Zorn that Zorn is no interest in. Mm. So Zorn so, still has a son that he wants to, inter- to be interested and have a lot, have a life with. Um, and the son is not showing any interest at all. And then he has a stepdaughter. Like if Craig and his ex-wife were already married and they had a daughter and the daughter's like really into this stuff and he just has no care because it's a daughter and not even his daughter. But she's interested. Yeah, then they could be sidekicks. I would love that. That's like Wreck-It Ralph as a Fox animation domination TV show. Yeah, I can see that. I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. I just... Um, what What is it about the father-son relationship, either on TV or, or in real life, that that becomes this trope that, that people want to explore? Do you think? At least in in Son of Zorn and transitioning into the Venture Brothers as well, it's for me. I see the creator of the show is referencing something that they loved as a kid and was a very stereotypical like boys thing at the time, and so they're both the father and the son in the show that they've created. They're the father, and that's what they grew up on, and that's what they have, and they're the son, and that this is who they are now, or. 
this is what they see people as interested in now. So in Son of Zorn, like the average American white male in high school that's in the show um, doesn't watch He-Man cartoons. We don't have that kind of thing anymore. And in Venture Brothers, it's referencing like Johnny Quest and super science TV shows of an older generation. Right. And so the father's grown up on that and those are his values. That's what Dr. Venture has. And he has his own complicated relationship with his dad. And then Dr. Venture's sons are foils to that even of having modern values, even though they, they definitely live in their own parallel, not modern world. And so it's not just two different people. I think it's representations of the same person, the values coming in conflict. Makes and sense. for me, that's why that works. I would also do mother daughter. If it were like some kind of animated parody, of like little house on the prairie, taking up something that was stereotypically more of like a female thing and playing on those values versus the modern day. And I don't know. But you take the trope that existed and then run it up against what's happening now. Exactly. So if you're going back to the trope, if you wanted a female lead, you wouldn't necessarily go to She-Ra as, you know, to take the, yeah, the human conversation. My Little Pony? So My Little Pony? Maybe. Strawberry, strawberry shortcake. Short, uh, I was about to say strawberry shortcake. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what? So something like that. If, if we're going animated. So you get the uh, adult strawberry shortcake who's really into baking and friends. and. Yeah, maybe she's a bakery and does all these things. And like the daughter's studying, um, not even feminism, like at college and like studying math or something. They bond because science and baking are the same thing. I mean, it, they really are. Science, and baking is science. If you don't, it writes itself. If you don't have the science, then that's that's the end of episode one. I mean, she understands, and they have a little bit of a connection, but they still butt up against each other in different ways. It's not just about strawberries anymore. <laughs> that's the name for the play, the stage play version of this. It's not just about strawberries anymore. <laughs> uh, I don't have time to write that, but um, <laughs> I, I give that one to you if you want it. Thank you. I uh, bequeathed it. If you don't want it, though, uh, listeners, that's up for grabs. The idea of strawberry shortcake at, in play form. That's that's up up for grabs. So. <laughs> uh, so with Venture Brothers, because I know that you have. I think more issues dramaturgically. You have dramaturgical issues with the father-son relationship. In, in in Venture Brothers or in Zorn? Or just, I think, in general as a whole. Like, yeah, it's an overused trope. I completely agree. But there are some situations where it does fit. I just think I'm mostly my dramaturgical issues is I just want to see more women in general in larger mm -hmm. roles. I think dramaturgically, that's my issue is why can't we try something to give women a larger role in animation or make them a little more interesting i wanted the mother to be more interesting in son of zorn i wanted oh yeah i the, she's completely uninteresting and i don't That's know the most 2d character in that show oh yes Ooh, oh I yes that was that was a burn if 
these microphones weren't so expensive, I would probably pick it up and drop it. And but it's not it's not mine. But yeah, that's mm -hmm. and you said it. So why would I drop the microphone? <laughs> it's in solidarity with. It's them. in solidarity. Yeah, that so. Yeah, I I just feel like this this father having yes he is animated but having another you know middle aged white guy in a TV show I mean he's it's like who basically talks and acts like Peter Griffith it's like yeah I mean he he doesn't in not in voice but the things that he says and the way he behaves and the way he treats his family sometimes it's like. A little bit Peter Griffith at times. It's way more Stan Smith from American Dad, where it's like knockoff Peter Griffin, like very similar, but much more. I'm alpha male. I will say this one thing about it, though: it does look like he cares about his children. So he's definitely not a character by Seth MacFarlane. Yes. So he's more of a Homer Simpson-ish character. Because he actually loves his children. His mm. child, Zorn, you could tell, loves Elangulon. Alan. Alan. <laughs> <laughs> he loves his son. Yeah. But um, in, in Venture Brothers, I don't necessarily, I don't have dramaturgical issues with this. And I don't know if, if it's because of how old I was when I first started watching Venture Brothers. Or I can see the tropes a little bit more because... Dr. Venture is a little more complicated and complex. Mm -hmm. I, I think I might be a little bit more forgiving on that because of the complexity of the character of Dr. Venture. But what episode are we talking about for Venture Brothers? Uh, season four, episode three, Perchance to Dean. And I know it's not fair to compare a show that has six seasons and dozens of episodes to one that's only had one so far. But that's why we're just mostly talking about this in terms of the father-son relationship. That's that right. Quality. Right. I'm excited to see where Zorn goes. Yeah, I will absolutely. watch more Zorn. More Zorn. More Zorn. More Zorn. That's hard to say. But, yeah. One might say it's a thorn? Uh, some might say that. I would not. I wouldn't. Tell us a little bit about this episode. So, in Perchance to Dean... Uh, this is a few seasons into Venture Brothers, and they're beginning to play with the whole premise of the show and what's going on. The background info is that the season one of Venture Brothers, I think, stands on its own as just this off-the-wall parody of Johnny Quest. And it ends with uh, the titular characters dying and killed by the enemy. The Venture Brothers die in the season finale. And they get renewed for season two, and they have to say, well, what do we do now? And so it turns out, because this is a show about super science, that um, the Venture Brothers, Hank and Dean, are actually clones and have died many, many, many times. And in the season two opener, there's an excellent, excellent montage of all the times that they've died. And even if you don't like Venture Brothers at all, you should watch this montage of how all the clones have died. So perchance to Dean, this season they're kind of learning that they are clones and that these clones exist and there's like a mass grave of clones out in the yard. And the premise is that there's one misshapen clone of Dean named D9? D19. D19. Um, and D19 is just like this misshapen, unloved clone of Dean who lives in their attic and watches them. He's collecting all the body parts of the other Dean clones 
so that he can be a more perfect dean and be loved by his father. And so Dr. Venture doesn't really love either of kids. He wants them to do super science and be like him, but he doesn't love them for who they are. And so Dean is starting to show some interest in science, but doesn't want to be like his dad because his dad's kind of a loser. Hank has no interest whatsoever. And then D-19 just wants to be everything like his father. These are the three things that we're working with. So the antithesis, the one he wants to have actually be a carbon copy, and then one that he's trying to mold into a carbon copy, but doesn't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. So Hank just as being treated as somebody who doesn't want to be involved with the family at all. Hank is um, sent to do janitorial work essentially for the, for the lab and help out Dean as Dean starts his education with um, progressive rock and other things. Which is one of the great, great jokes of the series. Yeah, I think Rochelle started watching at that point and didn't know what I was watching. Like, what what is this? She kept just saying, "What is this? This is Venture Brothers. It's for the podcast, honey. It's for the podcast." <laughs> it it takes some of those classic things and it just imagines like the super science of Johnny Quest and sixties cartoon shows to be inspired by progressive rock of the same era. And so <laughs> Doctor Venture introduces Dean to progressive rock, and he has like this whole chair and setup where he listens to vinyl with his fancy headphones. And I think this is just a great joke of like, he's been in the chair too long. And they just run and go find Dean, like progressive rocked out and just sprawled. It, he's spun too much. No, I pushed him too hard. <laughs> no, you weren't ready. You weren't ready. <laughs> and then he wakes up and has this amazing idea for an experiment, which turns out to be just like putting his hair in a Petri dish in the oven. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what he was trying to do. <laughs> Uh, but he, but then he uh, brings about the appearance of D nineteen, um, who he thinks is a clone that he made of himself. There's lots of mistaken identity in this episode, or unidentity. Very Shakespearean. Very Shakespearean in that sense. Mm-hmm. So, what is? Let's talk a little bit more about the father son relationship in this quote, quote, modern world. Um, what is the modern world that the Venture Brothers are living in? Or what are the values of that modern world that Hank and Dean are into? I mean, it gets more explicit that this is kind of our same world as the show goes on. The most recent season, the Ventures moved to New York to take over a company um, that is essentially like an Apple knockoff. They make V phones and V pods and they're like the biggest technology company in the world. And so they're running that and that's their super science that they have in the modern world is big technology companies. Hmm. Uh, but essentially the modern world that they're stuck in is more grounded in the reality of actual things. So a lot of the show, they are going on these crazy adventures of super science and being out in the wilderness and magic and all sorts of insanity. Uh, but then there's a whole episode. If I, if I may say this phrase on writers get animated, cause it's a scientific term. There's a whole episode where it begins with them caught and hung up by the nemesis, the monarch, um, 
And uh, Hank just says, ooh, no, timeout. I need a timeout. Or, I'm sorry, Dean wants a timeout. And they say, what's wrong? He's, my noe zone hurts. And so it's a whole episode about how he got hung up the wrong way. And so now he has testicular torsion. And they have to find an emergency doctor to operate on him. <laughs> and then go back to being captives. Wow. Venture <laughs> Brothers jokes. Yeah. So it finds something that you would see in a cartoon and then tries to apply the laws of the real world to it. In a way, yeah. Which, I wonder about Dr. Venture versus Zorn in that sense. Zorn is very much fish out of water, um, very much alpha male, but mm -hmm. that's the trope that he is encompassing. What is the trope of Dr. Venture? Uh, they don't do it too much in this episode, but Dr. Venture has his own daddy issues as well, uh, where his dad is like the alpha male super scientist. So Dr. Venture is butting up against the era by being completely unlike the values that he grew up in and that the show is mocking. Um, and Zorn is exemplifying the values of the show that and the era that he is from. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. And maybe that's why I enjoy the the Venture Brothers dynamic a little bit more to start with because of that added complication to it. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's just one further step removed from the thing that it it's parodying. Yeah, and Zorn is pretty much right in there. Now, the other thing that I'm wondering about Zorn versus Dr. Venture, um, I feel like Zorn's ideas would be better if they were done with a voice that was more suited towards it, the He-Man-ish character. Oh. You know? I f I f like uh, Patrick Warburton? Possibly. I mean, I love... I love the actor doing Zorn right now. I, I can never pronounce his last name really well. Jason Sudeikis? Yes. <laughs> I can I always get confused by his last name. And I always feel bad trying to say it. But It's like Sudoku, but Sudeikis. <laughs> Sudeikis. I did it. Hey. Learning. Um, thank you. Uh, Hashtag learning. I'm wondering about um, if... If, maybe if even if it was him, but maybe if it's his language that I'm having a trouble with. I feel like Zephyr is so much like our world that it's not the only thing that is out of place for Zorn is his body and um, the things that he's saying. Mm-hmm. It's not his language. It's not the way he speaks or anything. It's his physical nature and his ideas that I'm wondering if it was more of the full picture that I would, if, if I'm butting up against that too. Just to yeah, I could see that. Just to bring it back like, to like the Charmings, they all talk like fairy tale characters in the 80s. What, what is that like? But... But Zorn didn't grow up in 
that area, you know, what is, what's the difference between Zephyria and Orange County, if not the language? And I mean, they all have cell phones, you know, mm-hmm. other than just the lifestyle, is the language different? Is other things different? And I know that's a conscious choice probably on their end, but. Yeah, like why would people choose to live on Zephyria where they're all the gorilla monster men yeah. versus Orange County? And why would they talk? Why wouldn't they speak differently being on that island if that's all the people that they talk to is, you know, even even people from New York talk differently from people in Orange County. Why would people in Zephyria talk like people in Orange County, you know? Yeah. I'm, it's just one thing I'm thinking about. And Dr. I feel like Dr. Venture, it's, it's the same thing where his voice is a little bit of his generation, too. Mm-hmm. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah. It's my Dr. Venture impression. Exactly. So it, it, he seems completely out of touch with the current world that, that he's in. But he's more... I think he's bigger caricature in that sense. For sure. But not saying that, uh, again, I'm still going to watch more Zorn. I want to, I did laugh through it. Um, I just looking to see where it goes. And, <laughs> but what else do we want to say about uh, Venture Brothers and the, the dynamic? I don't know that I have much more to say about Venture Brothers that hasn't been said already. <laughs> well, what was your favorite thing in any of the, the things that we talked about today? Uh, I think I have one in mind, but I'm going to change it. I think I like <laughs> Zorn walking up to the Death Hawk and saying, as he's about to kill it, like, don't worry, I've done this hundreds of times. Sword through the spinal cord and just stabbing it suddenly. It's very good comedic timing. For the stab, followed by immediate thrashing. It, it was a very fast stab. I appreciated the, the speed of the stab. It was very mm-hmm. shocking. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I did appreciate that part. <laughs> um, for me, it was the, uh, there's a FaceTime call that Zorn is making back to Zephyria. So he's camping yeah. out in the park and he makes a FaceTime call and He's like, you know, my son, he tries to lie about how well he's doing with his son, Alan, and how they're getting along just fine. But it turns out to be a lie. And mm. um, the uh, the man-at-arms, man essentially, character <laughs> yeah. is like, you know, it's all right. I, I heard it's like, sons, my son is a, I, I really don't care about my son. You don't even have to worry about kids. Don't even worry about it. And then at that moment, you see on the FaceTime call, the son gets chopped in half. And he's just like, oh, God, my son. If only I, I would give anything to spend one more minute with my son. Like, oh, these days go by so fast. One moment they're bored and then the next they're chopped in half. Like essentially, like totally negating everything he said after that moment. It's that that. That sequence made me laugh really hard. Yeah, that was well done yeah, as well. That, that whole sequence, I, I just couldn't stop laughing. I had a. I think that's when I first started thinking Venture Brothers when I was watching the episode. Is that is that moment? 
yeah, that exact moment with the same similar timing, the same ridiculousness of they get chopped in half so fast. And it's and it's showing that you're playing with the that that the two worlds hitting of now we we think about our children and you know having more aware of father but then also yeah this is a war zone and people would actually <laughs> get dead and get killed get and, dead. yeah they well, get they, dead they get dead so hashtag sexy romance times <laughs> romance sexy times romantic time sessions rts romantic time sessions rts so uh we do have one slice of unfinished business before we get to our homework time which is that there's a new Moana trailer that got released. Um, and if you've been listening, you know that we've been tracking this and following it. We're like the weathermen of new Disney movies coming we out. We'll have Moana coming up in the fall, in November. Mm-hmm. Music by Lin-Manuel Miranda and a few other folks. Um, starring Dwayne Johnson. and The Rock. The Rock. And also... You say it. Say the full name. Uh, sorry, sorry, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now say it with air quotes. Sorry, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. There we go. Are we, are we all right there? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Continue. <laughs> um, and also, the this what's fun about this new trailer is you get a little bit of a hint of the plot of the film. And you see just how big the scope is. Uh, and I'm just really excited for it. Jack wanted to watch it three times. Mm. So we did. What's the Jack rating? Uh, I can't give a Jack rating on the film, but the trailer of the, the Jack rating trailer is I want to watch that again. So he wanted to watch the trailer again. It's a really interesting trailer. It just shows some of the magic it shows some of the a lot of the adventure so i'm i'm looking forward to it it's looking good i must say i think the more that i see of this movie the more i really like the animation what they've done with water looks really good yeah the water as a character looks really fun yeah i thought that was interesting oh the ocean likes me like that's that's a good twist and then gives a high five to a wave which was fun For homework time, we are going to be talking about Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yes, the Mickey Mouse short, which is in both Fantasia and Fantasia 2000. Um, You can check it out on Netflix, buy it, do something. But if you have a Netflix subscription, search for Fantasia and (laughs) watch either one of them. And Sorcerer's Apprentice is in both of them. So... We are going to be spending the whole time just doing a breakdown, talking about that next time. Just that one thing. Classic animation. Why is it good? Why do we still love it? And why is there no dialogue in it? Because it's better. Well, it's slapstick. That's that's next time. That's next time. Okay. So. Next time. Next time. As always, thank you to Jacob Reed for our music both entrance and exit and homework, um, as well as to Nigel Catino, our audio engineer. Find us on the web on Twitter at WG Animated, facebook.com slash WG Animated, 
and find any show notes and links to things about the charmings and other fun stuff for this episode, writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. If you're enjoying the show, please, we, we would love a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the podcast. Um, share it with your friends. Let us know how we're doing. Mm-hmm. Go team writers get animated. Go team writers get animated. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>